Welcome to At The Root with Greg Kuyper here on KKNW. It is September 5th. It is Greg's last show here on KKNW. Yes. So uh, it is bittersweet. The show will continue in podcast form. So for mm-hmm. all of you have that have been listening and following along all this time, remember that you can go really wherever you listen to podcasts and look for At The Root Click subscribe. You can have notifications when new episodes come out, and you will not miss this ongoing conversation and dialogue about connecting. So, as a reminder, Greg is a psychotherapist and holistic life coach. His practice is Kuiper Counseling. Through his professional practice and personal experiences, Greg knows that without connection to ourselves, connection with others is near impossible because emotional connection is at the root of healthy living. So remember, there are uh, there's really one the best way to connect with Greg is to go to his website uh, again, KuiperCounseling.com. You can find out more about Greg. He has a contact me page. There are past episodes of this show. He has resources that he likes to share. Even a link to his YouTube channel, which is called Connection Through Awareness with Greg Kuiper. There he posts videos of the podcast. You can see what he looks like. And uh, <laughs> he also posts awareness exercises. So. Yeah. And, and, and on the on the website now, the, the podcasts are actually there. So you can actually just click, click and go. Click and go. I believe. So. Here, I should try that before I say it. But that, that's what I understand. Well, I mean, <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. So. It's technically Labor Day. Yes. So we have been working hard uh, on listening. We have. And we have been working hard on our relationships. So we need to continue this work. We do. You know, we've been talking a lot, spending a lot of time on cognitive bias and how that plays into our listening abilities and relationships with others. And, you know, particularly, I think, for us in our committed relationships, our uh, deep friends or, or partners or um, people we intend to spend our lives with or we hope to, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it, just in review, there are a number of defined cognitive biases, and we spoke of a couple, um, the fundamental attribution error, where we either give too much credence to the positive or negative personality traits of an individual and ignore the situation we find them in, or we allow the personality traits to not matter at all Mm -hmm. and emphasize the situational aspects of where we find these traits to be more relevant. We gave the example of, you know, driving along and you get cut off, there's a crazy driver and he's going like crazy and and you yell and scream at him and call him all kinds of names and what a jerk. And then, but what you don't know is that his wife is in labor in, in labor in the back seat. Right. So the situation you didn't know the situation, but you still, you know, attributed the personality traits to him, and vice versa. Right. It can go the other way too. Yeah. And then the the confirmation bias, rather than reduce. Uh, inconsistency in a situation by searching for all the evidence, looking at all the sides, finding all the different facts, we only search for or interpret information in a way that that confirms our first opinion, our opinion. 
and we and, and we believe this strengthens and affirms our original position just by finding more data that supports that opinion rather than looking at all sides of the situation. That's confirmation bias. I think we see a lot of that one today. Mm-hmm. Sure. We've talked a lot about what it's like to be present in a situation with our partner. Not just, you know, physically present, but present in intent and emotional engagement. From our early life programming, we can learn to hijack engagements. We talked a lot about that with others because we have never been allowed to be right or we were always corrected all the time. And this gave us a hit to our self-esteem and resulted in us building coping mechanisms to protect our worth, taking the form of always having to be right, interrupting others, turning every interaction into something about us. So avoiding the emotional engagement with the other and invalidating their experience and what they're sharing with us. So this, this all comes down to feeling worthy, and with worth comes respect. Mm. It seems like there's a great struggle to protect and shield our worthiness, and in the process, we rob others of theirs. And you know, for the vast majority of us, this is not intentional. It is old patterning, part of our autopilot programming, if you will. And so, by living in our past with this unconscious behavior, we are not allowing ourselves to be validated as worthy, and we are not validating others as worthy. So living in the past with this unconscious programming, we are not allowing ourselves to be validated as worthy and we're not validating others as worthy. So we need to move into the present moment, get out of the past, right? Change that programming. It was a long week. Yes, it was. Oh, why is that <laughs> for you? <laughs> yes, because we talked about this last week and I left the studio like, oh, man. <laughs> and guess what? As suspected, Stacy likes to hijack. Oh. So apparently my autopilot is a hijacker. Ah. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I, yeah, I don't, I really know what to say about that, except that uh, it was a long week of a lot of moments where Mostly after the fact, I realized, oh, and it's amazing how slippery a slope it is. Mm -hmm. Like situations where I didn't think that I had sort of made it about me. And and then I was like, oh, no, that was interesting. I I'm good at this. Like I did make it about me. And to watch uh, the person that is sharing something with you to see them deflate. Mm -hmm. Boy, is that upsetting. Right. This is cool awareness you're going through right now. It's uncomfortable, isn't it? A little bit. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Yeah. Well, change is uncomfortable for most of the time. Yeah. 
Um, so thanks for that. Yeah. And my family <laughs> thanks you too. <laughs> In a good way or a bad way? Uh, yeah. Well, uh, actually, it it has created some interesting dialogues in the house. Mm. And, uh, you know, and that self-awareness, sort of what I had suggested last week, you know, hey, uh, you know, give others permission to talk about the elephant in the room, me being the elephant, and that, you know, when I hijack or, you know, whatever it is. Sure. Uh, it it created a really interesting dialogue and, and my family helping me and trying to approach it with curiosity and without judgment. And, right. And, uh, so pointing out to you when they you might have done it and you didn't notice. Right, right? exactly. Yeah. And, you know, those situations, the tricky ones that I'm talking about where it's not obvious, where I've, I've hijacked it in the sense of like, oh, you know, back when I was doing this or, you know, right. like, right. well, I remember when I was going through my like very depressed time post-college, you know. Right. This is how I felt. Let me get out my book and read it to you. <laughs> it's in black and white here. Right. And, you know, and the raise of the eyebrows. Oh, uh, those are the cues? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, they're there. Kind of like the, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm like, ooh, oh. So, yeah. So. So what was it like experiencing those, those cues or whatever? I mean, what, what goes through you when you go, oh, damn, I did it again. So the first thing is definitely the instant, like, shame. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. Instant shame. Like, instant, you know, the teacher, you did something wrong in class, and that shame and embarrassment piece. Right. And so uh, then I would say uh, really feeling just terrible because this goes to that whole intentionality thing where mm. you're like it's really not an intentional thing and so just feeling terrible because i you know it's not the intention and i'm right. trying i think that i'm i'm making my own bid for connection except that it's like that thing where you have your hands on a bat and it's like each hand keeps getting higher mm. and you know and i'm like and i got to the last one uh so i went really from that uh, shame and embarrassment to really feeling grief over my lack of listening to the person mm. and the missed opportunity to connect. And uh, then I had like tiny little pity parties for myself, uh, especially as the week went on and I realized how much I do it. Mm -hmm. And then I was just like, all right, I, that's a waste of, that's just compounding the problem. Sure. So instead, let's just go from this place of curiosity <laughs> and and you not know, make a game out of it, but in a way, make a game out of it. Yeah, learn a different way. Exactly. And, and, and yeah. And here I am again. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. The irony, kind of, I guess, is that the right word? Yeah, irony of of going to that shame and guilt when you realize you do it, but that's exactly why you do it is to stay away. From the shame. And I hate and, the yeah, feeling. I know. So it's kind of this circular uh, piece. Awful. Yeah. But you're... And it's a physical feeling, too. Oh, yeah. That shame? Oh, yeah. It washes over you. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So, anyway, after a week of being bathed in shame and... <laughs> it's not that bad, is it? <laughs> Rinse and repeat. Uh, I'm, I'm back, and I'm ready uh -huh. for a new do. Okay. All right. <laughs> Well, uh, this week I want to get back to the to the fixer bias. Oh, goody! And uh, you know, 
So that's where we're going to go for the rest of the day. But uh, okay, you want to have a break first? Yeah, maybe so we you need can to. Get ready. So- <laughs> I feel like I'm going to end up in another shame spiral. So let's take a break. And then when we come back, we'll continue chatting with Greg Kuyper and At The Root. Be right back. Sometimes psychotherapy is not enough to get to the root of our illusions. Hypnotherapy with licensed practitioner Annette Kuyper of Solid Insight can help. With hypnotherapy, it's possible to tap into what's beneath our layers of protection and resolve the illusions that stop us from accomplishing what we want. Hypnotherapy is a safe state of relaxed calm coupled with elevated mental awareness that allows for a deeper dive into our subconscious. Led by Annette, it's about understanding and loving ourselves and creating a deeper connection with others. Learn more about Annette at SolidInsightNow.com. Looking to reconnect with your partner, spouse, kids, or self? When the disconnect seemingly has been there for a lifetime and is impacting your relationships, it's difficult to determine how and where to start. But At The Root with Greg Kuyper of Kuyper Counseling is the perfect first step. Throughout each episode, Greg talks about establishing emotional connection with ourselves and others. He offers experience, advice, explanation, and resources to listeners. You can find past episodes on his website, KuyperCounseling.com, or through his YouTube channel, Connection Through Awareness with Greg Kuyper. Hey, are you missing listening to this show is all about you with me, JDK Winnikin? Well, you don't have to. You can still listen to Greg Kuyper's show at The Root and my show. It's a win-win in every way because you can download my show and his at Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Don't miss a minute of either show and listen to them on your own schedule. So be aware out there that you can listen to both of us still. And isn't that comforting? Talk radio with a purpose. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome to At The Root with Greg Kuyper of Kuyper Counseling. We are talking about the fixer bias. If you have been listening from the beginning of the program, then you know that I am probably not so excited about this. <laughs> <laughs> so, Well, this is, this is one that's, uh, that I find really prevalent in a lot of couples' relationships that, that I work with. Fix, fixers move directly into their solution mode of thinking. At the at the onset of, of bids for connection with them, right? As soon as a bid is made, a fixer, I kind of have this little radar that they can just kind of sense it and go right in to this automatic and unconscious um, bias. It's created by us generally early on in life, right? And then nurtured, and we fine tune this, and and after a while, it's like perfected. So. Let me run a scenario. Mm-hmm. So, like, for instance, when my daughter was talking about how when she finishes grad school in December and she's she was talking about what her various options are for post-graduation before she starts employment in September, me running a bunch of scenarios and thinking about all the different things that she could doing when really I should have maybe just been listening to 
what she was thinking out. Perhaps like that? Yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. Cool. Yeah. Well, what we want, I mean, generally, people are going to ask us for our opinion. Yeah, right? she didn't. She was just running through scenarios. <laughs> and and running through those scenarios, if we're really listening and, and tuning into their intent, their feelings, all of that empathic uh, concern that, that we can have, um, if that's where we're we're coming from, we can pick up on the fact that maybe the person is frustrated or tired or the, the context of this conversation is, is not just information, but, you know, um, I'm a little scared about all these options. Right. You know what I mean? And they're not saying it, but we're picking that up, right? Maybe we're not picking it up because maybe we're trying to offer some scenarios <laughs> yeah, right, and solutions. Right. <laughs> okay. So, yes, yeah. that's a good example of it. Right. The, the, the bias is typically not originated from the experience of emotional trauma. You know, like, I guess it could be. But, but more often than not, I think this one comes from an absence or lack of emotional intelligence. So, so let me, well, no, 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 let me, I knew you were going to do that. Let me, let me, uh, let me go into that a little bit. You know, so, so if as toddlers or young children, emotional expression in the family is, is not present or it's not encouraged and, and it, and continued to be unimportant or even seen as a weakness in our upbringing, Right. We end up with a lack of emotional understanding, and we are emotionally inexperienced. That doesn't mean anybody was trying to hurt you or anything was intentional. It's just that's the way the family functioned. Matter of fact, practical, logical, everybody's cared for, life is good, you know, don't rock the boat, right? And, 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 no, and, and, and so emotional expression is not and important, or even, it's just not there in this family, right? And that's typically happens when, when um, you know, the, the caregivers themselves, that's the way they were brought up too, right? I mean, this is intergenerational. Many instances, this is uh, stems from um, insecure attachment in the family of origin, right? Um, We've talked about insecure attachment. Caregivers themselves may be emotionally inexperienced, probably are emotionally inexperienced. And they model this behavior to their offspring, us. And then we learn to understand that love in the family means we're taken care of, our needs are met, the family functions in society, you know, emotional expression is pretty much non-existent. And if it does rear up from time to time, immediately it's discouraged and it's explained to be a weakness, detrimental to the logical, smooth functioning of the family unit, right? They just keep going. Did or, my family stage this whole show as an intervention? <laughs> no. Are you sure? Oh, we've been caught. This is a long con, I got to <laughs> tell you, because I'm like... Mom? Dad? <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, all right. Or, or, or in another instance, you know, caregivers can be 
uh, emotionally dysfunctional and, and just have behaviors, reactivity, a lot of it, right? Mm-hmm. And this triggers emotional responses in us that are, you know, then angrily squelched by the dysfunctional caregivers, you know. And we learn through fear not to express our emotions. So it can go that way, too. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make an argument here. Okay. That it is uh, in those situations where uh-huh. perhaps there's some uh, emotional dysfunction or behavioral dysfunction in the family, mm-hmm. at least you have sort of like, oh, here's the reason. It's it's depressing to me coming from the other side where I came from a very functioning, mm-hmm. happily married couple, never was wanting for anything except genuine connection mm-hmm. and the irony of likely being emotionally inexperienced of how of how to do it. Right. And, you know, so that whole idea of the trauma of your youth, I mean, I, there is no trauma that I can really say occurred, and yet I'm stunted, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're just emotionally inexperienced. Yeah. Right? Or, or you were, or you still are, whatever, but that, that's not the point. It's just you grew up that way without that in your uh, realm, in your existence. Mm-hmm. Right. At well, least, that's messy. At least at home. Right. right. We don't. We don't. We don't do those things. Right. Uh, uh, regardless of the origin, right? This this retreat from this emotional expression doesn't allow us to develop a sufficient emotional vocabulary. That's what we call this. And the ability to accurately recognize and label emotions is is referred to as. Emotional granularity. Don't ask me who came up with that. Clinical, right? But that's the that's the ability to recognize and label emotions. Wow. Research shows that the process of labeling emotional experience is related to greater emotional regulation and psycho- psychosocial well-being. So being able to label emotional experience, understand what it is, it's very important to psychosocial well-being. And this, this comes from Brene Brown in her book, Atlas of the Heart. It's a wonderful book. Anyone should read this book, but anyone with emotional um, detachment or not sure about emotions, what a wonderful, wonderful, amazing book. It really is. Um, emotions provide needed input for managing ourselves and responding effectively to others, right? So emotions provide needed input for managing ourselves and responding effectively to others. So being able to respond effectively to others is exactly what we're looking at in this discussion on listening, right? I'm not listening. I'm putting Atlas of the Heart in my Amazon cart. I can tell. I'm watching you, yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Go on. <laughs> but it's a good thing. Read the book. <laughs> a big part of the listening is validation of the other. And that entails responding effectively. Right? So mm-hmm. emotions provide needed input 
for managing ourselves and responding effectively, effectively to others, being a big part of the listening that we're trying to work on is validation of the other, right? Mm-hmm. And that entails responding effectively. So here we go. Emotions provide the needed input to respond effectively and validate the other. So, you know, insecure attachment early in life can also result in existing in a a state of stoicism, right? I've got this. Please, no help. I've got it covered. Right? Thanks, but I've got it handled. Right? I mean, the, the avoidant attached certainly is this way, right? Because we don't accept help from others because that might involve getting tangled up in some emotional drama. And we are not equipped to do that, right? We don't have the ability to, to we don't have the emotional vocabulary. At the same time, we go out of our way to help everyone else. This person will help everyone, becoming known as the person who is always there with a helping hand. We don't accept praise, gratitude, appreciation, because we don't know what to do with those acts of feeling, right? I mean, you know these people, right? I mean, it's, I'm one, or I used to be. It's easy for us to say, right? Um, oh, don't worry about it. It's nothing. Glad to help, right? It was easy. You know, dismiss the thank yous and the appreciation, and you can close your mouth now. I I am like, <laughs> I, I, okay. Yep, yep, yep. Keep going. So, but think about it. This dismissal that we're doing, we're, we're doing all these nice things for people so that um, uh, we're, we don't have to think about uh, the, the emotional piece of ourself. Right, we're taking care of everybody else. We don't have to take care of ourselves, right? And then when when we're taking care of everyone else and they're keeping praise on us or or gratitude, we discount it. We dismiss it. Don't worry about it. It's embarrassing. Right. So when the avoidantly attached are busy helping others, not only are they not accepting help from others, they aren't having to look at helping themselves and those associated feelings. I've got this. No problem. You know. So. Well, maybe, Greg, it's because we asked for help and nobody helped us. What do you mean? Way back when? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Could be. And, you know, help looks different. Like the help was like listening or whatever it was, and I couldn't rely on anyone else. <laughs> And so, well, and any 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 kind of help was practically oriented. It wasn't emotionally oriented. It wasn't. There right. was no feeling there. It was, you know, what do you need? Right. So, so we operate practical with practicality and logic, right? Get it done. I got it. Right. Out and of if my you got way. upset, it was like, now what? Yeah. Right. There you go. So, you know, I was recently working with a couple, and we were all learning together um, that, that the wife was a fixer, basically. And as I was explaining the term fixer, I'm not really big on that word, but it, but it works, right? Mm-hmm. As I was explaining this, I mean, 
she got a look on her face and she corrected me and said, now the preferred term she would like would be helper. So that's what I'm talking about right here, right? I mean, she was very serious, and and, and I get it. I yeah. mean, it's, it's she, of course, has spent her life helping others and not allowing for her own realization of emotional context. So let's bring this discussion back into the realm of our committed relationship, right? One of the partners is a fixer. Immediately... Upon the other sharing a concern or an idea, the fixer moves to solution mode. They're logically analyzing options to solve their partner's concern, and they miss the entire emotional context, you know, the content, context, and intent of what their partner was being, what they were sharing. And they most probably interrupt with the solution, right? Especially if the sharing goes on and on and on. I mean, please stop. I've got the solution, right? I mean, <laughs> it happens a lot. The speaker is stopped, and when they can again get a word in, they generally go on the defensive, right? And the engagement then can easily go into one of these critical loops with criticism and defensiveness back and forth. And eventually, you know, the partner that was originally sharing just withdraws retreats from the onslaught of solutions and practicality and just, I'm out of here, right? Happens. <laughs> Much of the time when this happens, the fixer is baffled, right? What? Has no idea what is going on and not knowing the dismissal that the partner felt, right? Yeah? Well, I mean, they should be appreciative. <laughs> They should be appreciative? Okay. I mean, <laughs> the funny part about this is I'm saying this in all seriousness, and yet I think my husband and I both have some fixer tendencies oh. because I so resent it when I'm talking about something that's going on with work or, you know, the mm -hmm. house or the kids or whatever, and he goes into fixer mode. And... It, this comes back to the whole thing that we talk about, you know, okay, do you want me to hear, help, or handle? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm like, I want you to just hear. I just want to be able to rant and just say things without you going automatically into help or handle it mode. Right. And it makes so much sense when I th feel this way. <laughs> right. But when I do it to others, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> two, two fixers living together. Yes. And we're both Pisces. Interesting. Yeah. So say what you will about that. <laughs> okay. But so this easily can become a, a pattern in this relationship's, you know, existence. After after many years of living this way with each other, the fixe, I don't know if that's a word, but I'll use it. The fixe can get to the place where they don't even share anything with their partner anymore. What's the use? The relationship has devolved to one of, you know, just two people living together. I, I see this in so many couples that come to me, right? I guess that's why you go to a marriage counselor, right? But, 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 but they're just two people living together and some, something's gotten lost. And, mm -hmm. and for most, it's been going on for years, right? This, this, makes for it to be deeply entrenched in this autopilot, in their programming, right? Day-to-day -day function. And this can make for it to be very difficult 
for this couple to deal with it, right? Imagine being married to someone for 25 or 30 years, right? Mm -hmm. Seeking help for a more meaningful relationship, going in and finding out that a big source of the issue at hand is that one partner does not know how to feel, express, or share emotions. Imagine that. This partner um, can become overcome by the daunting task of learning ahead of them. Finding themselves confused on how to fix this in themselves, right? They're fixing it for everybody else, but now what do they do? Yeah, what do we do? (laughs) I've been married for 30 years. (laughs) This is all, this is all about me. Right. So that's what we were talking about last week when we were talking about how shame and guilt can easily become two of the emotions they first have to learn about. Think yeah. about it. They this, they come to this realization, oh my God, I'm a picture. I've been doing this forever. And then shame here piece. comes the shame and the guilt. Feeling terrible. This is not in any way ideal, right, for shame and guilt to be the first feelings that that they're that they're learning about or that they're feeling about. Hey, at least it's more vocabulary than mad, sad, and glad. Glad. Yes. Hey, look at me expanding my <laughs> emotional vocabulary. Yeah, you know, because shame and guilt were the the the, the f- things that early in life may have driven them to become emotionless, and, and here they are again. Regardless, shame and guilt would not be my first choice for their emotional learning experience, right? Well, I mean, it's right. too late for that, Greg. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, as I begin to work with these couples on active listening skills, the fixer struggles to validate the emotional content of their partner's sharing. And I may ask, you know, what feelings did you experience when your partner shared? Right? So the partner has. The fixie, if you will, has mm-hmm. shared their emotional uh, peace, mm-hmm. their concern, whatever it is. They've shared it, and I've asked the fixer to really listen, to really dive in and, and try to listen uh, for the intent, the context, you know, and all of that. And, and then I'll ask that fixer, what feelings did you experience when your partner shared that with you? And it's amazing. Um, they don't know. I, all I can think of right now, the word that keeps going through my head is impatience. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Hmm. It, well, simply because, you know, I have a I have a mind that can make connections, right? You know, it's like mm-hmm. Stacy connects. That's what I do, and so I make these connections based on my bias, based on my experience. And so, if someone is explaining their feelings or talking about it or whatever. I'm sort of like, yeah, I've, it's what you've talked about. I'm already like at the conclusion. Mm. And so I'm trying to listen for their emotion or my emotion. And I can actually capture theirs because I have some intuitive abilities. However, my own in response. Yeah. Yeah. No, 
Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. I watch this happen and the confusion I see happening in, in this person, this partner's face and, and their body language when I ask this question. It's, 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 and eventually they, they stutter around a little bit and eventually almost always say, I don't know. Think about that. Wow. What feelings did you experience when your partner just shared that with you? I don't know. Uh, yeah. Right? And then after much thought, I, I generally, you know, after much thought, if they bounce around a while, I'll hear something like mad, sad, or glad, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the three standards. Um, nothing, really, that would let their partner know that they felt them with empathic concern. And, you know, I continue to probe then, right, for feeling words from them. And uh, eventually I'll coach or suggest or even bring up a word, mm-hmm. you know, a feeling word. Oh, yeah, that one, you know. I mean, it's, it is a tedious process, especially at first. Well, and if you're the person that doesn't know what you're feeling, mm-hmm. then once again it's become about you. So it's now about, you know, as the fixer trying to figure out how I'm feeling about what was shared by the fixee. We're now fixated (laughs) on, you know, me and the fact that, you know, I can't conjure up anything other than, again, feeling guilt and shame about the fact that, like, I I don't know what I'm feeling. And I want to be feeling something. And... Sometimes I'll, sometimes I'll even get, am I supposed to be feeling something? Well, and right? I could intellectualize that, it. Yeah. I mean, I could tell you from an intellectual standpoint that, you know, wow, that's a lot. I didn't know you felt that way or, uh-huh. you know, those kinds of things. Uh, but to really just sit in your body and feel. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Well, and meanwhile, all this is happening, right? I'm, 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 I'm working with the fixer and for some feeling reaction words. And meanwhile, the fixee, the fixer's partner, is just watching all this. And, uh, you know, they can't help but feel the depth of their partner's predicament. I mean, it's right there in their face. Right? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's crucial at this point that, that the couple don't go into a, a mutual, you know, what's the use frame of mind, right? Because they could. 25, 30 years of this. Oh, yeah. Right? The fixer thinks, I'm 55 years old and I'm going to figure out emotions at this stage of the game. Right? And their partner thinks, I've been hanging on for 30 years. Do I want to keep going? Right? I mean, that can be. These are big questions. That can be present right there in that in that situation. Uh, can we take a break here? I, I, yeah, I need a moment. Let's do it. <laughs> Keep listening to At The Root with Greg Kuiper. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back, and we'll talk about this more. Too many relationships are adversely affected by wounds from our past. Lack of connection, unhappiness, shame, and regret are just some of the fallouts we experience when we choose to avoid addressing those wounds. 
Greg Kuiper of Kuiper Counseling is a psychotherapist committed to reestablishing connection with self to create greater connection with others. His work with teens, individuals, couples, and those struggling with substance use. If you struggle with old wounds or unhealthy narratives, get to the root of them in yourself by contacting Greg Kuiper at KuiperCounseling.com. That's KuiperCounseling.com. Whether it's fly fishing or French pastry, we all have something that makes our tail wag. Involuntary and instinctive, it's sparked by excitement, inspired by purpose, and it speaks to who we are. I'm Stacy Heller of Stacy Connects. I lead clients to the place that makes their tail wag. As a creative director, I bring ideas to life. As a podcast producer, I give ideas a voice. Stacy Connects, it's my superpower. If you want to connect with me, Stacy Heller, go to stacyconnects.com. Asking questions is better than making assumptions. Such is the premise of my show, Stacy Connects, a show about making connections through conversation. I welcome a diverse assortment of guests to chat about topics and ideas that are sometimes educational, sometimes inspirational, a little personal, and always entertaining. Every week, I draw out and befriend the elephant in the room so listeners can connect with the unexpected. Listen live Tuesdays from 3 to 4 on Alternative Talk, 1150 KKNW. Miss a show on KKNW? Check out 1150kknw.com for podcasts of many of our programs. That's 1150kknw.com. Welcome back to At The Root with Greg Kuiper of Kuiper Counseling. If you have been listening, then you know that this is Greg's last episode of the show on KKNW. However, the podcast will continue. So, Wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it be Podcast One or Apple or Google or Spotify, you can find At The Root. So subscribe so that you can continue to learn. Uh, and if you've been listening, you know that another name for the show could be Stacy is in intensive therapy. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm just saying uh. these things are really resonating with me and uh, I needed a moment. So so we're back. So. Where we left off is a cliffhanger with the couple thinking, I am 55, it's too, I'm too old to teach an old dog a new trick, yeah, like naming my emotions, and the, the partner thinking, okay, I've been doing this for 30 years, am I prepared to do it for another 30? Right. How long is this going to take? Right. Right. Well... Tell me all is not lost. <laughs> it's not. Okay. After learning, you know, we, 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 at this point, we have to learn, right, is the love and commitment is still there, right? And and it generally is after 30 years. I mean, yeah, if it hasn't ended by now, there's something there, right? Yeah. Generally. And so at this point, we want to lay out a healthy plan for making these changes and realizing True attunement in the relationship, the ultimate goal, right? The reciprocal exchange of sensitivities and information we've talked about. Uh Respecting and trusting vulnerabilities in the other. It will take work, a lot of work, really. And and as we talked of earlier, we want to make sure this process is... I you know full of I call it adventure and curiosity and yes even fun right because we want to help each other with these learnings we 
it's not going to work very well if we're waiting for somebody to to get their act together, right? Right. Or it's, whatever. Is, I mean, it is it Pink it, Panther where there's like Kato and he like yeah. jumps out and he's like, wah! <laughs> like perhaps that's not the best approach to learning. <laughs> where do you get this stuff? I don't okay. know. <laughs> but, you know, my point is right. nobody needs to be attacked in a moment to make sure that they're yeah. aware, right? Right. Yeah. Right. See? I mean, it makes sense if you listen to me eventually. Okay. All right. Well, we just have to support each other, you know, and, and be responsive to the needs and desires of the other. And that requires what? Listening very deeply to each other. And we want to take advantage of also of any and all outside resources we can, right? Probably, probably individual therapy for each to complement the couple's counseling. I highly recommend that to everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, that I work with, um, we're going to during this process. We're going to continue to identify triggers and reactive behaviors, find the cues and responses that each needs to continue their growth in this journey, and you know that's exactly how we need to proceed. This, this here we are, this stage of life. We want things to be better. Let's make some changes, you know. Let's go on this discovery of hope and learning, adventure, whatever you want to call it, discovery, curiosity. Well, let's let's figure this out together. You know what I mean? Because in figuring out together, that's building the connection and the relationship, right? The togetherness, mm-hmm. and we're able to witness each other's vulnerabilities and experience them. And that is the start of that attunement that we're looking for. Well, it's an interesting place to be. I know that so uh, clearly I have have no boundaries about, uh, you know, I'm 52. I've been married for 30 years. My husband is seven years older. And so we are this couple that you're talking about. I mean, not Mm. literally, but we're Mm. there. And so... You know, the timing works with if you've had children, your kids leaving the nest. And, you know, uh, our oldest daughter commented when I was out to lunch with her one day, it's really nice to see that uh, we kids were not what was keeping your marriage together, that you and dad seemed (laughs) to be having fun and enjoying the time with the kids out of the house. And, you know, she said, man, that's a relief. And, you know, I never thought about that I thought that was an interesting take. And, you know, she said that she she has a lot of friends who the parents, mm-hmm. like the kids, start to leave. And it's like, okay, you know, either they've been waiting for the moment that the kids leave or they come together and they find that they're not approaching things with a sense of adventure. And they're not, this isn't a new kind of a book, not even chapter, but a new book where you mm-hmm. get to break the spine together and start writing this next book together. You know, like, okay, so what does retirement look like? You know, where do you like to vacation? Do you want to travel? You know, like, do we want to spend time with the kids? Do we want them to visit us? I mean, all of these questions, it's like a renewal of vows, I find. It is. I mean, you know, that uh, uh, the empty, empty nest syndrome and, and or retirement both are um, uh, two of the 
five most um, uh, prevalent reasons for divorce. I couldn't say mm-hmm, it there. Mm-hmm. You know, two yeah. of the two of the times in life where divorce is most prevalent in relationships is that empty nest syndrome when when um, one or one of the partners has been in, investing their whole emotional existence in the kids mm-hmm. and the kids are gone mm-hmm. and now I have him or her right and we haven't had much going on for 20 years so right ooh. So like, or or retirement right mm-hmm. when when one or both come home and <laughs> stay there <laughs> we are together now you know Every day. Right. You're going to go be a greeter somewhere, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Where are we volunteering? I'm going to go golf. You like, volunteer. Right. Whatever, exactly. Right? I mean, uh, yeah, I find a lot of this in couples I see, you know, this, the not connecting for a long time on an emotional level. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, as much as I'm joking about it, uh, 100%, the things that you've talked about this week, the things that you talked about last week, especially these are so relevant for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so being that couple that you mm-hmm. talk about without outing any of the couples that you talk mm-hmm. about, uh, you know, reframing it and that piece that is the learning and adventure, it really does help. And it really does take the the smack of shame away from it. And that and, and the and the the what is the word the daunting the the dread out of mm-hmm. it, you know the oh my god this will never happen that feeling the hopelessness out of it right, right. it doesn't it's not hopeless it's, it's right it's totally doable and you know I I have a feeling that um, many people listening um, find themselves in relationships like this with a a fixer or, mm-hmm. or some way that's emotionally detached, right? And uh, this can particularly be a problem. I mean, I just thought of this, but it, it can be particularly be a problem if one person, one of the partners is emotionally detached and the other one is extremely emotionally needy. Think this about goes that back one. to Stephen Shar. Yeah, Stephen Shar. Yeah. So, uh, again, listeners, if you haven't been listening to the show from the beginning. Uh, Greg talked for a while there about uh, theoretical couples, Steve and Charlotte. I started to call her Char because, you know, we really got to know them. <laughs> and uh, that's similar to what was going on with them. Right. So one person needs just emotional connection constantly, and the other one has no clue how to do that. Um, think of the distance that can come up between those two over a period of years. Right. There's no foundation. Right. But it's totally fixable. Right. We just have to change our way of thinking and uh, work on our emotional vocabulary. And with the help of each other, I highly recommend people get some if this is the case in your relationship, get some marriage counseling. Mm-hmm. Get a professional in the middle that's trained and and that can mediate and, you know, mm-hmm. cheer you up, keep you going, calm you down, mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever it takes. 
as you learn this, right, and and provide some some solid input for you, um, uh, guidance, right? Sure. I, I really recommend it. It's, well, it's like a train conductor, right? I mean, you're you're talking about a like, guide, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's uh, having somebody that can be like a Sherpa on this climb, and right. it's like, hey, this is where you should stop and have a Milky Way. <laughs> Right. This is where you can catch your breath. You know, this is where it's going to get a little dicey. So you got to watch your step. And, right. you know, they've they've done the climb and yet it doesn't diminish the experience that the couple is having to do this, to go on this journey together. Right. And many times I think and listeners out there probably will, as you're thinking about this, and you may have a relationship like that. Um, how do you how do you get? A partner that doesn't understand that they're a fixer into uh, counseling or whatever it takes to to come to that understanding and want to change it. Right? Subscribe to this podcast, bookmark <laughs> this episode. <laughs> there you go, <laughs> and you go. slip it into their queue. <laughs> <laughs> and and that that's a problem in a lot of instances. You that you have to both be willing to make whatever changes it takes mm-hmm. and help the other make whatever changes they need to make, right? Mm-hmm. This is a we thing. This is um, a togetherness we package of making these changes together. Whoever's got to make them, it doesn't matter. It's the team that needs to change. It's not my wife or my husband that needs a change. It's we need to make these changes together. And if we can, if, if, if you can do that with that kind of um, thought process and that kind of uh, curiosity and adventure, then it can be, it can work. Yeah. I can gear up for the next 30 years. There you go. Are you ready? I, I mean, yes, that's what I signed <laughs> up for. That's, that's the ideal, right? That's and, the ideal. And, you know, if we're not learning, then, you know, we're dead. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> so, I mean, I might as well learn and, uh, you know, and, and be the best version of myself and, you know, those people that if I'm a fixer, like, let's, let's work on fixing this. Fix the fixer. Right. What did I call this episode? Fixing the fixer. Probably. Something like that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that totally uh, makes sense. So, uh, wow. Okay. This is a little bittersweet. We're at the end of this episode. Right. And I I feel like we need to thank Eric. Oh, of course. Eric has been our studio, in-studio producer Keeping us in line for a long time. Hundred percent <laughs> nodding along and yeah. like hopefully, even when he didn't want to, right? Exactly. <laughs> so uh, very patient with us, and uh, you know the show will continue as we have mentioned multiple times in podcast form. Yes, we will miss uh, the family of KKNW. We will and appreciate you. Uh, so keep along on the journey, right? With us and for you, and Greg. Everyone stay aware out there, and I'll see you on the podcast. Bye-bye.